0: And we truly believe that labeling competencies like leadership, teamwork, and communication as soft devalues and minimizes the importance of these skills. And one of the strong skills that we teach is what we call Shift Your Mind. And the teachings come from my book, which came out in October of 2020. If you enjoyed today's conversation or any of our past guests, then know you're going to love the book. You can head over to Amazon or anywhere books are sold to purchase, and you can even listen to the audiobook via Audible. Tobin Anderson is the head coach at Iona University. He's in his first year there, and you may recognize Tobin and his name from last season when he was the head coach at Fairleigh Dickinson University in their men's basketball program. They shocked the world. They beat number one Purdue in the NCAA tournament. They actually won a game before that to enter the NCAA tournament, and Tobin and his team became – Uh, Cinderella story, sort of the sweetheart of college basketball last year, having been only the second team to win as a 16 seed over a one seed. And Tobin is a basketball lifer. His dad was a high school basketball coach. He's coached at every level, division three, division two, and now division one. And we'll talk about the different levels of basketball in this conversation. And you're going to find him pretty transparent, genuine, authentic. While we also get into the politics and the political nature of basketball, we talk about Pressing and his defensive philosophy and his style if you're not into basketball this conversation may be a little over your head But if you're a hoops head like me, you're gonna love Tobin's energy his curiosity his creativity His willingness to try new things his willingness to grow to change to evolve. He's highly competitive He's highly enthusiastic and energetic and this conversation flowed for me And I hope it'll flow for you as well So here is the head coach at Iona University Tobin Anderson. Coach, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, Where I thought we would start is you're active on Twitter. And as I scrolled through your feed, you posted a picture of your first practice plan at Iona. And it was on June 11th. So a little over a month ago. And on it, you shared some key themes to focus on. And obviously you've got the drills and and the X's and O's and all that good stuff that you're doing, but on the top of the practice plan, which I'm used to seeing, and I know coaches like to emphasize certain things, but to me, the first practice gave me insight into what you value. And so I wanted to sort of unpack those with you um, and try to come to an understanding as to why those were were emphasized by you. So the first two were compete and get better. Can you talk a little bit about why competing and getting better were so important for you on day one at Iona?
1: Yeah, thanks, Brian. It's actually good to, good to be on with you too. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the backbone of our program has always been has been competition and competing. Guys that play hard. So I think when you do a lot of things, you start you start with a new program and a new a new system, and you know, with for the guys that you get caught up in the x and os sometimes you forget like what's the what's the most important thing the most important thing is we, is we compete on a daily basis you know and we we compete we, we 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 try to find ways to to be successful find ways to win so um you don't want to forget that and it's almost a reminder to myself sometimes And my staff always says the same thing too it's like let's not get caught up into so much teaching and and x and os and, and all that stuff when the at the end of the day if we're competitive we have a chance to be very successful So um, like our guys got to know that, like our guys got to know that, like, you know, where there's a loose ball, we expect guys to die for a loose ball, take charges, uh, make hustle plays, play hard, be in better shape. Like that's part of part of being competitive, you know? And like, we want to, we want to have a competitive environment on a daily basis. You know, I mean, my, our worst practices are the days when I, when I overthink things as a coach, when I try to do too much or try to try to teach too much or try to, so I try to balance out the, the teaching the coaching the x and os with the the fact that we're going to be competitive you know and i know some coaches keep score on on wins and losses we do a little bit of that too but it's like you know everything we do we try to have a competitive component to it and not just on the wins and losses but like hey man like we're you know there's a loose ball we we need to see guys diving for loose balls if there's a, a rebound we should get we should we, we we want guys uh making an effort you know making those kind of plays and then the the part about getting better that also is a, i think a foundation for our program is we we improve um every day you know i mean guys when guys go to college i think they want to be coached they want to you know college basketball players or college athletes want to be coached they want to get better um most of the guys we recruit want to have professional careers so they they come to us all, all the time like we want they want to get better they want to work Why? well that's that's what we're going to do we're going to work every day to help you get better um it's a process, you know. And so we, we always and we, we remind them all we did did it yesterday too. We remind them that, like, listen, you want to get better, it's gonna take um us getting the most out of you on a daily basis. It's gonna take us, us um expecting your best effort, your best concentration, your best attitude. So let's not forget what the what the goal. The goal is to the goal is to to be the best player you can be um and have a chance to be very successful. You have to get better every day, you know, and it's once again, it's a reminder to myself too, is like, it is, it is, it was at, that practice plan was in June. We're not playing until November. We have time. Don't think about the, you know, the, ne- the next game or the next team or the next or conference championships. Think about we need to get better every day, you know, and if we get better every day, like we told the team the first, the first, pra- the first meeting this summer is like, you, you don't start out building a house by, um, hey, we got this great house. It's going to be unbelievable it's a swimming pool, four stories. You go brick brick by brick. You know, you know, you know, one brick, one brick at a time, one day at a time, one one drill at a time, and it's good. Now, like we, we've been going for four or five weeks, and I said to one of my freshmen yesterday, I said, "Hey man, you, today was good. You're getting better." And he said to me, "He said brick brick by brick." And I said, and, I said and it's just like they they understand like it's a, it's a process, and um, I think our teams, wherever I've been, and I've been this is my this is my um, fifth head coaching job, our teams have always gotten better as the year went long. We're always better in March. We've always played. And that's, that's the mentality is like, just keep on getting better every day. So I think those two things competition and getting better are the backbones of what we do on a daily basis.
0: I've mentioned this on past podcasts. I've done interviews for NBA teams and major league soccer and NHL uh, at the combines and helping them figure out who they should select. And so most of those leagues, you get 20 or 30 minutes with a guy and I would just pepper them with questions. And one of the questions I would ask is simply, hey, why do you play basketball? And most of the guys in basketball, not necessarily in other sports, but in basketball, they often say, because I love it. And then I'll say, okay, well, what do you love about it? And there's three things that I've noticed that stick out to me when they say they love the competition, like you're talking about. Uh, you know, and I love to compete in other things outside of basketball. And I just love that feeling of striving and my best versus your best. And and there's an outcome. And I love that element. And then there's the other piece, which is that growth mindset that you're talking about, which is I love improving. I love seeing improvement. In sports, we notice our improvements probably better than a lot of other things in other industries. So you can measure it. You can see it. You can feel it. But the one piece, so those two are are, are definitely present. Then this other piece that I listened for and that I think is intriguing, and I'd be curious to get your perspective on how you bring this to the forefront of your teams is the idea of a team and the idea of collaboration. And when I ask college kids who are no longer playing their sport anymore, they say what they miss most is the locker room, is the cohesion, is the chemistry, is the relationships. So on the collaboration part of things, what do you do to emphasize the team element, uh, obviously, the team you were at previously at FDU, you guys average, i think your average height was six foot one. Um, there was a forcing function of having to play together. Um, but I'm curious, like, how do you instill teamwork and collaboration, and layer that on top of the competitive spirit and the growth mindset and desire to improve? How do those things mold together for you?
1: Yeah, and that's a that's a big open-ended question, right? Because there's there's so, there's so much that goes into to, to developing a team right is it's there's there's so much on the court there's so much off the court there's the it's it's a lot of it's a, is in the choosing like you got to choose guys in, in recruiting who you know you ask about I like, can are they unselfish are they do they care more about um they care about others do they they care about their teammates do they are they are they coming from from successful programs you know i think win, winning is a is a definitely recruitable winning and being a good teammate and being successful and, and, and being part of a team is a recruitable skill like you look for guys who who are used to having success, or used to playing on good teams, because when you're on a good team, you have to sacrifice for your teammates. You have to sacrifice for the 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 betterment of the team. So when you're when you're winning, like you're not. It's not hey, I'm I'm scoring 35 points a game. It's I'm I'm doing the things that are necessary for the team to be successful. So I think there's a big part of having a team is getting the right guys, right? They always say get the, guy, the right guys on the bus, right? You know, and I'm I'm a competitive person. I'm a I'm a team person. I think we have a staff that's the same way too. And then we find the right guys that, that we we know it that they value um, those kind of things. Everybody everybody says they want to. Win. It's like you're doing the interviews for for, for NBA stuff. They all, they're all going to say, "I want to win. I'm all about the team." Well, that's not that. Listen, let's. I've coached selfish players. I've had very selfish players. I've had very guys who were, who thought more about themselves than the team. And and I look back and I think um, I could have probably known about that before I before I you know there was there were some things telltale signs along the way, and it's like. How much do you sacrifice in the recruiting process to to for ta- from talent to get you know How much you sacrifice to get talent that they're not high character, um, team first kind of guys. That's kind of what it comes down to sometimes. We try to do a good job in selecting the right guys, and once you get the right guys, that makes life easier. But then, of course, building a team there, there's so much that goes into it, you know, and, and a lot of it's out of my control. Sometimes it's about once those you know those guys being together. Um, away from, and you know, we have a philosophy called you know, 22 and two, uh, you break the day into 24 hours and there's, there's, you know, basically for the most part, and obviously some days it's not two hours, some days it's four hours, but for two hours a day, it's all about basketball. We're in the gym, we're, we're practicing, we're working, we're getting better. That's all basketball. Then the other 22 hours, it's, you know, they're in their dorms, they're in they are in class, they're with their families, their friends, their girlfriends, um, and that's more important. Don't 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 make that the most. Don't make basketball the most important thing for those twenty two hours. Make other stuff. But when you come to the gym, it's got to be all about basketball. Now some guys are different. Some guys are like the the point guard I had at F T U, Demetri Roberts. He was more like I me. Mean, he's all basketball. You know, his whole life was like. You know, he's he's having lunch. He's thinking about basketball. He's he's he's, he's you know he's in class. He's thinking about basketball. He's he's a the kind of kid. but I, so so basically, I want the team to know. Hey, we don't all have to be all all the time all 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 team all basketball but for those two hours we have to be um so and then and then it's like all right with the team you know how much do you do where it's like you know team dinners and get togethers and like i'm not i'm not a big fan of this whole like hey let's all go have ice cream and play golf that makes you t- I've, I've been around guys that like each other and have fun together and we're not really a true team and i've been around teams that were like not not best friends not not buddies and like well on the court they were great together. So I'm not sold on. I'm I do believe in there's there's share the two things that really help you are shared success and shared suffering. You know I think when you have success together like last year at FDU we started win some games and you can see that winning the success of us. Hey, this stuff works. Like what we're what we're doing right now. Being a small team, being a being an underdog, um, it works. Like the guys understood that for us to be successful, to, to share the ball, to play hard, to. To be scrappy and tough, that work that that success helped us, right? It it, it kind of winning winning begets winning, right? And then shared suffering is going through adversity, you know. So we try to put them in adverse situations as much as possible. Whether it's a six a.m. run, whether it's uh consequences for being late, consequences for um, you know not doing the right thing off the court, um, you know, uh, pr- tough practices. Like I think the best practices are the ones when you when you get in the huddle afterwards and you're kind of like I'm kind of mad at two guys and two guys are kind of mad at each other and we're all kind of upset we're all we're all kind that those are the best days the days we all it's not kumbaya we all come together we're all like hey what a great day you were good you were good coach was nice today coach that's the, those aren't good days the good days are the ones when when it's a little bit like it's a little bit edgy you know um, maybe there's not a fight but there's a little bit maybe there's a little bit of you know talking trash a little bit of pushing and shoving. Um, maybe I had to go after a guy a little bit and be, be you know, be a little bit honest and just say, you know, your, your, efforts not acceptable. I probably wouldn't say it in those words, the days that are kind of like um, the, the hard days, the tough days, the, the um uneven days, those, those are the days when you, you build a team teams get better, I think on those days. So, so I don't have that answer totally. It's because I think when you say, well, what what builds a team, like there's so many things that I don't even know about, you know, I'm mean, like, I remember last year, I'll give you an example. Like last year, um, in the summer at FDU, I was like middle of July, like, you know, a little bit later than now. And I'm like, I wonder if our guys are getting along off the court. I wonder how it's going. Right. And I saw the whole team one day walk into IHOP to go have, to go ahead, to, to have lunch on their own, to you know, together as a team. And I don't know who organized that. It wasn't, wasn't us. It was the players. But I thought that's a good sign. You know, that's a, that's a good sign. The guys are, they're together. They're, they're, they're spending time together. And I'm not sure that's why we won, but like someone's making that happen. Right. They went to the beach one day, you know? And like I didn't we didn't do that, but we're t- I think we had good guys, good character guys, and, and the pieces kind of fit. And then obviously we we as a staff try to try to perpetuate that and try to do more thing. You know, we 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 do we do we do some corny stuff. We do some then we have, we have some team building stuff we do. We're we you know, um we're vulnerable. The coaches are too. Like we you know if if I screw up, I'll say him hey, this. I, I I screwed up. I made and I I, I there was a bad job by me, or I made a mistake, and the staff will too. We just try to find ways. That and I want the guys to know we're all in this together. You know, it's it's not just the players, it's not just the coaches. It's it's we're all we're all we're all pulling in the same direction here, especially now because you have teams that are built in one year. You know, you have more transfers, you have more one year guys. Like so, it's like it's a little bit. um You can't wait to build that, try to build that 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 team concept because <laughs> by that time, sometimes it takes you, you know, eight months. Hell, the team's going to change, right? So it's like you got to kind of. You got to kind of work on that every day. Like we're we're big on like the you know the high the touches high five and touch you know the fist the fist bumps you know from coach to coach, coach to player, player to player. You know I try to always try to talk to guys. Guys guys love to hear their name. You know it's like talking, you know call their name you know say you know a couple good things here. You know if we something happens early in practice, like hey we try to encourage the guys. You know it's going to be a great day. You know hey listen Brian it's going to be a great day for you man. you you're ready to go man? You're 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 you look good. You're 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 you know you're 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 definitely locked in today. So we just try to we try to create that environment where it's like it's um all about the team.
0: It's there's there's a lot to unpack there together. <laughs> I think you and I both have a tendency to be long-winded, which is mm-hmm. it's gonna be an interesting conversation because of that. But a couple of things I want to highlight just to sort of uh ground and make sure we capture the idea of liking versus loving. I do think there's a difference. And if we love people, we'll tell them that they have something, you know, in their teeth. Uh, if if we like them, maybe we're afraid to ruffle their feathers. Uh, kindness versus niceness. Like if you're kind, you'll let someone know that what they're doing is unacceptable. If you're nice, you might avoid that confrontation. So you're capturing that, both from a head coach's standpoint and your role, but also you want your players to be able to do that. Um, and then there's other elements here where you talk about vulnerability. Um, Google did a study around what makes teams the best teams in their organization. And they found that psychological safety, which is essentially, do we give people the opportunity to take risks on our team? Do we give them the safety to go for it and be bold? Um, So that's psychological safety. They found that was a leading indicator for successful teams. And if you're vulnerable without psychological safety, you're going to get burned and it feels like crap. And so the vulnerability I would imagine that you show also helps create this idea of being willing to put yourself out there, being willing to show yourself. Uh, Vulnerability definition, Brene Brown, who studies this stuff, used was emotional exposure. So your willingness to put yourself out there emotionally without psychological safety is dangerous and humans don't do well in that situation. And then the last piece that I'm going to capture is if we're going to collaborate and we're going to be a great team it does have to be based on relationships and relationships are typically built based on communication trust and respect and if one of those three is gone it affects the other two so if we're not great at communicating with each other our trust is going to go down our respect's going to go down if i don't respect you the trust and communication is going to start to dwindle um so they impact each other um and then the question i have uh is Around this idea of competition and collaboration, because in sports, you can see when a guy is a dog and he gets after it and he plays defense really hard and he has a competitive spirit and he he goes after rebounds and we can see effort. Um, I've seen guys in the NBA who couldn't really shoot, but they were competitive as all hell and were able to carve out a role for themselves But sometimes that competitive spirit, and we can even use Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan or pick your goat basketball player. When they first got to the NBA, they were highly competitive, but they didn't necessarily know how to collaborate with their peers to make them better. And and Phil Jackson played a big role in trying to help them understand how to collaborate. And so from your perspective, I'm curious, how can you get guys to collaborate? You use the word sacrifice or be all in on something that's bigger than themselves. How do you get them to do that without diminishing their competitive spirit? How do you bring those two together? Because sometimes that competitive spirit can be hero ball, right? Like, give me the ball. I want the ball. And they forget to make the extra pass. Or they play too aggressive on defense and they they forget about the team and that all five guys need to be playing together. Um, so competitive spirit can work against collaboration. And so that's one of the things I'm most curious, curious about from a coach's standpoint. How do you bring those together? How do you get them competing, but competing for the team rather than just competing for themselves?
1: No, that's a great, that's a great point. Cause I've, I, I can think as, you, as you're talking, I can think of guys I've had who have been like that, you know, there's guys, that, so, in fact, my best players have been a little bit that way. Have been like, you know, so like, um, alpha,
0: alpha, like they're yeah, alpha dogs, right? Immersed,
1: immersed in their own situation. Like, like, uh, Hey, I'm going to come in and work hard. I'm, I'm going to be the gym. That's what I'm going to do. And I, you know, what well, you gotta do your own thing. Like, you, I'm, I, I'm gonna take care of myself. You know, and it's like, it's hard. Like, that's, it's. I, like, I think, I think those are the guys you have to really like talk to a lot and, and just to under, help them understand that it's, um, you know, you, you're not, especially in basketball, right? In basketball, it's, it's such a, it's a great sport because it's, it's such a, um, the collective team can be so much better than the parts. You know, that's some sports are not like that. Sometimes, like, like, you can, you can be a great team and not have, um, all great players, but you can have like, like, like a like we've always had guys that we had a walk on last year. walk on was was, you know he, 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 no he had no scholarship offers. He ended up playing like eighteen minutes against Purdue. and there are a lot of teams he a lot of teams in Division three he wouldn't have played for, but he was good for our team. He made us better. like he was he was the kind of guy that was not looking for his own thing. you know? So I think sometimes when you can balance out on a team, hey, I got an alpha dog. I got a guy you're, you're talking about. and I know exactly what you're talking about. You need guys with him who are not looking for them. there there are guys like who are very extremely unselfish who are like I don't care if I score, I don't care if I get accolades. Um I don't care if I'm the man. I just want to be part of the team. So I think every time I had a great guy who was kind of the Kobe, you know, the Kobe Bryant, the Michael Jordan, the for me Justin Reyes, Dimitri Roberts, I've had guys with them who are like they don't care about that stuff at all. You know. And I think sometimes you can when you can and like without me pointing it out they can kind of see hey man this like, this guy here he's like all about the team it just helps us to see that kind of kind of thing going on you know um and i think i think that's that's all that's probably the hardest thing to coach i think that 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 guy who's like that's the hardest thing to coach cuz every time listen the best sometimes the best you is the best us right if you know like, like we tell the guys i have nothing i have no problem with having individual goals individual aspirations all these guys want to play pro there's nothing wrong with that. That's got to fit into the team. It's got to be like, you know, and it's got to be helping us win. And so we we constantly talk about winning, like winning, like like, like you know, your, your success, what you do will help us win. So maybe, some guys, hey, scoring 25 helps us win. You know, nothing wrong with that, right? But um, it's got to fit into to, to the team picture, the, the team situation. You know, I think what's good about our, our program, Brian, like we're a little bit different. Like we play a lot of guys. We play nine or ten guys. You know, for most basketball teams, might play seven. So we know that we're going to need a total team effort to win. You know we're we're going to be good because we have a little more depth, a little more. You know our, our bench is important to us. And if you watch our NCAA games, we subbed we subbed all the time. We had we had guys coming all the time. And so now we we might our better players might play a little bit longer. But I think the team knows we're going to need everybody. Everybody on this team has a role. Um, especially like our top nine or ten who are playing have to play well for us to win. You know so. Um, if, I think you know. I think that's coach. coach if, if I'm piecing
0: that together, yep. there's something that you said that I want to highlight. You know, it's almost like to find someone who's highly competitive, obsessed with getting better, and will always put the team first. And by the way, can shoot the ball and can defend and can you know do everything right. Like it's a unicorn, right? And and there's yeah, a reason yeah, why LeBron. Kobe's Kobe and Jordan's Jordan and LeBron's LeBron. So what I'm hearing from you is we actually look at the whole roster and we know if we've got that alpha that's going to drive us every day in practice and be highly competitive and maybe a bit of an asshole sometimes yep. we need to complement him with other people that are going to bring different energies and different elements to our team and th- there's almost this idea of how are we building the roster and yep. what is the due diligence we can do on players whether it's their AAU coach or their high school coach to find out who are they so that we know what we're creating from a roster standpoint and I think teams do this from a positional standpoint and a skill standpoint, but I don't think they necessarily think about the personalities and how those personalities are going to interact with each other. And so if I'm hearing you, it's like, Hey, we know if we've got this guy, we can bring in someone else who's going to have a different focus and is going to complement them really, really well. You know, and you even look at the best teams ever. Like they usually have complementary type players and uh, personalities. Well,
1: think about the Bulls with Michael Jordan like I mean, Dennis Rodman was was a, was the best rebounder to probably ever play the game right he didn't want to shoot he didn't care about shooting all he wanted to do was rebound so I man I think that helped Jordan because like you well, know Jordan could be a little more aggressive and try to score because he knew Rodman was the, his role was to rebound and, and do play that way I think the idea you're going to change a guy like that is is the wrong attitude like you can't change an Alpha dog like that's just how they're 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 like we did a whole personality profile last year we had a guy come in you know profile it kind of helped us to learn our players a little bit more and like i i don't want to spend time and energy trying to make that guy it's can you blend in to help us all be successful and like like you said you know have the team the told the whole team thing and then use that guy have that guy's um attributes figure out a way where his his little, little, being a little bit selfish be a little bit you know um self-absorbed can still help us be successful right can you can you figure out a way as a coach to use that not not trying to change him because changing him is gonna be a, a a fight. Make that help to help the team in the in the in the overall good, you know. I think that's that's
0: important. The other things you had on that practice plan that I don't want to get lost on. The next thing I loved, which is figure things out. And it's interesting because it sort of speaks to what you're talking about here, which is like our job is to help these guys, but I would imagine in June you don't want to help them too much. Like you want them to learn and have space, that psychological safety that I said earlier, make mistakes. Let's learn from them. This, this time, if we're going to say we want to get better, then we also have to probably give them space to figure things out. And I've spent a lot of time in gyms at the high school level, college level, NBA level. And there are definitely coaches who smother their kids and never give them the space and time to actually figure it out. Um, So figure things out. What does that mean to you? And why is that so important?
1: Yeah, it's it's funny because you get a new job and people probably think, well, did you meet as a staff and go through every drill and like here's his here's how the drill goes and teach the drill. I'm more like, I'm going to explain the drill in about two minutes, and then like figure it out. You know, if, if you screw it up, then figure it out. You know, and and like um, I don't want to sit there holding their hand, coddling them. Like it's just not going to work in the long run. You know, and so you know how we how I coach. Like I'm not a you know, we run, uh, this is more of a, a schematic thing or a basketball thing, we run motion offense, right? Motion offense is, I'm not telling them where to go, what to do, what the plays are. I don't call plays for them. It's more, they they read, react, um, make plays, figure out the defense, what's going on. Well, that's, that whole premise is figuring things out. So I can't go through a practice plan and hold their hand and say, hey, we're not going to go from point A to point B to point C. That's not how we play, you know? So it's kind of like, I'd rather kind of throw a lot of stuff at them just throw, just throw shit at it Like, just, hey, listen, here's what we're going to do. And you guys got to kind of figure it out. And then what you see, though, is like, all right, the first couple of days, sloppy as hell. Like I said, I, the best practices to me are, are the sloppy ones, the, the crazy ones. I think those are good. I, I've changed. I've gotten better because when, when I was younger, I would like want it to be perfect. want practice to be pretty, It's got to look good. If you came to our practice, I want Brian to feel like, man, coaches, organized, coaches, he's on top of things. Now I'm kind of like, hey, if it's a little bit sloppy, it's a little bit crazy. That's probably a good thing. Um, it, me, it may make me look worse from the outside, but it's actually helping us because now here we are four weeks later and that whole figured out thing, we've gotten better as a team because they've had to kind of had to to, to to learn on their own, you know, and it's like, you know, on any team, you got you got 13 guys, right? Four or five guys will know more as t- they'll figure things out quicker. They got to teach the other guys in, right? That's part of They should teach. Hey, hey, you should be going here. You should be doing this. And I kind of like to watch that and sit back and kind of see them how, how they interact as a team. Who are, you know, people are like, well, who, who are your leaders? You know, who are the captains? I, I don't think I don't think I've had a captain in five years, but I know who the leaders are. And like I know who could kind of so in like, I, I can sit back and watch sometimes on a drill. Hey, we gotta get we do a drill called one uh, one more shooting. You gotta get you gotta make 30 shots or it's or it's a, it's a sprint. We show it to them. Here's what it is. Now figure out a way to make 30, right? And they won't get it. And then eventually a couple guys will say, Hey, you got to do this better. You got to do this better. And I just think it, 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 it speeds the process up of, a, of being a team faster by having them figure things out. I, I I'm totally, and I, I, but I've learned that I, I try to step back more now and just kind of like, let them screw up, let them make mistakes and then make it make changes.
0: What caused that change for you? What what led to you saying cuz I hear control. Like when I first started maybe oh. I wanted to control the whole environment, the whole experience, oh. make sure we got what we wanted, perfect it. And now oh. maybe it's a little bit less control and a little more chaos, but in that chaos is where the learning is happening. What changed for you? Was there anything specific that you can point to or did it just evolve over time?
1: Oh, I think I think there's a couple things. You know, I think I think my teams early on um were not as good in in big games, you know we we lost some games, and I and I, and I kind of thought we were tight. You know you can you can tell as a coach when your team is tight. You know before the game, during the game, like they they're they're, they're and like I think a little bit of that. I and I thought back we lost a game when I was at a Hamilton College, my second head coaching job, and I remember thinking to myself, we we played awful. We we lost at home. We should we were the we were the favorite. We we're the number one seed. We lost to Saint Lawrence in a, in a game, and like we looked we looked nervous, right? We looked we looked uptight. And I thought back to the week of practice and I'm like, man, I did a bad job. I had them, I had them. So like, Oh, uh, we got You know, this has got to happen. That's got to happen. Um, and then it's, I think seeing that and seeing myself screw up and seeing that. And like, you know, I was a head coach. I went back to being an assistant for two years. And when you're a head coach, like you're so like, I just so much pressure. Like, and it's not pressure from the outside. It's pressure from the inside. Hey, I'm, I doing, you know, I, I gotta do, I, I gotta make sure they they know the out of bounds defense. I gotta make sure they know the, the 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 press break and like sometimes like that's not the most important thing. It's their mentality going into it to a, to especially in the postseason. In the end, they gotta feel comfortable. They gotta feel they gotta feel um, relaxed. Like we told them before the tournament, like you know, scared goes home. You know, if you're if you're scared, you're going. But you're, 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 you're not gonna you can't win games big games by being tentative by being by being uh, nervous uptight. And I saw my teams play that way, and I so I got to take a step back. I got I got to make them feel better. So I think that's happened. It's evolved over time. But I can remember. I can remember that that loss still bothers me. Like I I'm like I feel like I lost I I lost the game for our team by how I prepared them. You know,
0: and it speaks to what you said earlier is we want to peak come March. And well, I've been fortunate to walk into gyms of Final Four teams when they're preparing for the Final Four, and the best teams. The coach one coach was looking at the newspaper <laughs> during, uh, practice, uh, another one, it was like player run and player led because by that time of year, it's like, it shouldn't be about that coach. It should be about these guys taking ownership of the situation. Uh, I want to go into this idea of a number one seed, um, and being a top dog compared to being an underdog. Cause you're referencing that in Hamilton. And obviously this past year, you were a 16 seed and upset Purdue as a number one seed, do you have a preference there? Is there a preference to be an underdog or a top dog?
1: Well, I'd rather be a top. I'd rather be a top dog. Top top dog means you've hit you've hit you you're probably just a better team, you know. So I'd prefer. There's there definitely is more pressure. I, there's more pressure if you create more pressure, right? I mean, but I think that's part of the the thing you're talking about. You know, get better every day, right? You're not if you just worry about the the, the process and and the, and the and the and the day and the, the moment. If you if that's a, if that's the mindset. By the time you get to the postseason, you're not really talking about, hey, this is a big game. They're all every day is important, right? So it's like, you know, like July 12th is not any more any less important than March, March 10th is if you get that mindset going, hey, we're gonna compete every day, we're gonna get better every day. So when we get to March, it's it's just another day, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, I I'd prefer to be a top, but there's something to be said for being an underdog, you know? I mean, I'm being a 16 16 seed's not, I mean, that's that's why you don't win very many of those games, but um, it's, it's both, both ways are different, you know, both things are, are different. And I, I, when I was at St. Thomas, we were the number one seed, I think, you know, seven or eight years in a row. And it's like, you know, you do feel a little bit of pressure, but you know, I think a lot of it's, they, they react to me a lot of times to our staff too. So we try to create more of I an, mean, and we, we, we do things to make them feel more relaxed, more, you know, just another day kind of thing, but uh, it's, it's different.
0: It's interesting. I once had a conversation with a major league soccer head coach and, the, the organization he was at had to be more of an underdog just based on, on their financial situation. And I asked him one day, I'm like, would you rather, do you like being an underdog? He goes, hell no. He's like, give me the best players and let's go win this thing. Um, And then I talked to a general manager who was at also an, it was an NBA general manager who was at an organization that is definitely an underdog small market. And he said, I love being an underdog. And Uh, If I could go to New York tomorrow, I would not go. Like, I like being where we're at. And it made me think about alignment. And like, the head coach that was in the underdog organization, but wanted top dog experiences, it it was going to be hard for him um to feel aligned with the organization whereas the guy who is an underdog in an organization that has to be an underdog and then he's hunting for underdogs he's saying hey you're going to come play here it's not going to be as sexy as new york city um we're looking for that not just in his players but in his staff and in the front office and the coaching so um it got me thinking about that concept um for you you go from fdu to iona iona is kind of an interesting spot because it's considered a mid-major, whatever the heck that means, but it has a strong history of success and your predecessor is a legendary hall of fame basketball coach. And so uh, I'm curious how you think about alignment when you're looking at a president and you're looking at an athletic director and you're thinking about what would align with you. Maybe the underdog top dog stuff doesn't come in. Maybe it does, but what are you looking for when you think of alignment uh, for yourself and the program you're building?
1: What's funny, just to kind of hit back on your your previous point a little bit too, is like even when you're the 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 top dog or the dumb ones, you're still trying to create that underdog mentality. So like we was always like, hey, everybody's you know. Even if you're the top scene. everybody's doubting us. Or you're yeah, the playing. Denver
0: Nuggets are like everybody's yeah. doubting us. I'm like, yeah. guys, no one's really doubting you. you. I predicted you to win it all before the season started. But if you listen to them, there's always something that those top teams say. Even like the Miami Heat, it's like, okay, you guys are underdogs, but you guys are really, really good at basketball. And Eric Spolstra is one of the best coaches, and Pat Riley is an OG. Like, there is though. Why, why do we? Let's stay there, and then we'll go to the alignment. Why yeah. do we feel the need to have the chip on the shoulder or, or the underdog and create that narrative? Um, why is that a part
1: of it? I sports? don't, that's a great question because that's, what, I mean, I, I I remember, I remember during my, my point guard, the, the kid had played great for FT last year. We were at stack and he's like, everybody doubted it. We were the number one seed. We were, we were, we were 28 and three and he's doing a post game interview. And he's like, everybody doubted us the whole year. No one said we could win. I'm like, well, we went, we went 28 games, but he, like somehow he created this idea that we were not supposed to be that good. So you find stuff, you find stuff, with the press, you find for you no, know, everybody loves the, the preseason polls, you know, you're picked like it helped us last year. We were picked like we. There's a bunch of polls, right? Some had us last. Some had us fourth or fifth or third or or sixth or whatever. We the what the one we put up in the locker room had us picked last. Like we, we did we didn't choose the ones we were picked third or fourth. It was like, hey, look at this poll here. They got us. They got us ninth. And it was probably some guy in freaking Idaho who had no idea about our conference at all. But like you're 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 trying to create that. I mean, does it does it help? I don't know. You know, right? I mean, it's like it's more of a just a. I mean, I'm a big believer too. Once the ball goes up. I'm not sure that stuff matters, right? More, it's more about preparation. Once the ball goes up, we're pulling. It's back to your instincts and your and what what's the your daily habits and 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 the things like that. Like I'm not sure that you know, like it's like the the old pregame speech. Like how important is a pregame speech? I, a lot of guys don't even pay attention to it. You know, it's like um, and like you said, I tend to be I tend to be long winded sometimes, and I've I've learned to just sometimes just to shut the hell up and like you know, hey, let's, if the guy's ready to go, just. Boom! Get get them out there. You know, let's let's go play. And so um, you know, it is it is a funny it's a funny situation where you're trying to always create that underdog. I'm not, I'm not sure it's a that big of a thing. I'm not sure we played Purdue. Like, yeah, we were we knew we were an underdog. We were we were definitely. But I think once the game started, like it, like our guys got by the time we got to the, the halftime, there was no more. Our guys were like, hey, we're pretty damn good. We we can play with these guys. You know, we're they thought we were they were better. At, as the game went along, which is kind of interesting, you know? So it, it's just a, it's an interesting
0: scenario. How about belief? How important is belief for a team?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you have to have, I think it's important, right? I mean, I think, I think for anything, right. You know, it's like, but what is, what is belief? Like, like, so you, I like belief before you, we played Purdue is like, you got a chance to win the game, but if they would have jumped out on top of us 14 to two, that belief might've gone out the window, you know? So I think belief, is a um is a moment by moment situation some, sometimes right so i mean we got off to like after the first four minutes of the game our guys came to the bench and said hey we're we can beat these guys you know so I mean I, we had tried to create that ahead of time but I think they had to see it for themselves and like my belief to them was was great but like their belief in the moment and, and with each other was more was more important. So yeah,
0: um, yeah, yeah. I I just saw an old college buddy and a few years ago we had a debate around momentum and I've had this debate with many basketball coaches who think I'm crazy, but to me, like momentum is not something that I really want to focus on um, because it goes against the moment. It goes against like, you know, basketball is played one moment at a time. And if you start getting into this idea of momentum, yeah, okay. It's going good for you. You're making shots. You have that hand, whatever but what about negative momentum? And to your point, you guys got down early to FAU and I think missed a bunch of shots to start, but your guys kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. And so to me, I love what you said, four minutes, because I think, I love when coaches talk about let's play four minutes at a time, because it it suggests that this isn't a 40 minute game. It is 10 four minute games. And it's more about being moment to moment rather than this idea of momentum. Um, just to sort of go back to that alignment piece yeah, yep, and then, yep. and then and we could come back because this is the stuff I love talking about, but alignment look, I think it was like 48 hours after you guys um, go through this incredible experience and, and play FAU really tough. And it turns out FAU, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think everyone now knows was not some schlub nine seed. (laughs) They were incredible Mm -hmm. and almost won a national championship. Um, But for you, how you mentioned going to five different universities and, and going through these more than five universities, but five head coaching jobs. How do you think about alignment uh, from leadership standpoint? I see this in pro sports too, the head coach, the general manager, the owner. I see this in business, you know, the CEO, maybe the CFO, the the head of sales, like the best organizations I've been around have this alignment that they're able to create. Um, how do you seek that out? And, and what does it look like for you when you're thinking about an opportunity?
1: Yeah, it's a great, obviously it's a great, it's a great point. It's, 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 it's huge. I mean, it's it's, 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 having a president who believes in what, what we're doing, having a, an athletic director and people in place, believe in what you're doing. That, that's, that's, that's incredible. I mean, to have that, and we have that at, at Iona, like the president, the top down totally committed. They know me well, that's all good. But the reality is Brian, like, especially in, like, you can't always take a job where it's it's there. You know, I say, well, Hey, I'm, I'm going to search out for the right alignment. Like sometimes, like I've had interviews with people. I was like, this guy, he has no idea what the hell he's talking about. Like, I can't, you know, this guy This, but like, I still want the job. Right. So like, like, how do you, how do you work that into your, to make it successful? Because, there's, I've had ADs who I've not liked, who I've been like, man, I, this guy, but like, I'm not going to say n- no, because now if I was a Duke, it'd be a different story because you can choose your, you know, certain guys can choose their jobs. I'm a small college guy. Like when I went to FTU, um, I never met the president, never the president of the university. I never met in person. Uh, he resigned like n- nine months later. Now I love the AD and I love the associate he said, alignment's got to come from the top down. I never talked to the president, you know? So like, do I, I don't know what his goals were. I don't know what his his vision was. Um, I like the AD. I liked everybody else. I had to trust in them. I know it's important, but sometimes you got to find a way to make it work if it's not there, you know? So do I think it's important? I think it's huge. I think, I think it's, but but like, it's like more important is how do you make that work when it's not there, you know? And a lot of times like as coaches, we'll take a job then the president leaves, the AD leaves, people above you leave, and a new person comes in and things are not the way they were before you know so how do you make that work that's 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 the tricky part you know and i think that's and i and like and like when i've struggled it's been a situation where i'm like you know this person is not a great person to 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 be because like when you're when you're working for a university it's a team like the the president the ad the people are you're part of their team if it's not there man it makes it harder there's no doubt about that
0: It sounds like you're pretty pragmatic about it though. And um, I'm curious, the NCAA has changed quite a bit the last few years. And you mentioned earlier, you might have a a team for one year and with the transfer portal and the rules and guys being able to to move around. Um, But as a head coach too, you know, you get to FDU one year there and then you're moving around. Has that piece actually made it easier for you to say, hey, I got to do what's best for me and, and go to this new opportunity as the, the transfer portal and the idea that there's almost like free agency that exists in 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 college athletics. Does that make it easier for head coaches to say, hey, you know what? It's OK if I leave, too. We're all sort of in the same boat uh, trying to do what's best for what we can do. And we take it sort of year by year. Has that changed at all? Or is that, uh, is it the same as it's always been for you?
1: I don't think in my mind it has. Yeah. Um because i've always wanted to be in a, a good place with good people no matter what you know now it's it's obviously when you're when you're a small college coach your goal you, you'd like to you like to coach like i want to be in a place where people have the same passion like i love basketball like i lo- i love what i do i love coaching i love basketball like I it's not a job for me it's it's like i mean i this is, my dad was a coach my I, my whole life is based on 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 his high school coaching high school basketball i grew up that way i've been in a gym my whole life I'm, I'm extremely competitive so for me um it's so it's what i do it's, i mean, I, I love i love I love what I do, so there's not there's not a, there's not a a job component to it. So it's like so it's like um. was the point you just made? I I, I, I I lost it for two seconds there. We're talking about yeah, before.
0: leaving the ability. Oh, to leaving leave.
1: yeah yeah. So so like so like um, I've always wanted to get to a higher level, like to a place that had the same passion that I that I have. Like I, and Iona has great passion for basketball, believing like like I do. So it's like you want to be that kind of place. So for me, it's not that's so much um. You know, do I feel better changing jobs? It's more about like I want to be a place that, that like the, back to the alignment, the alignment from like, hey man, and I own a basketball is important. You know, basketball is really important to them. They want to, they want to win, they want to be successful, so that kind of place. But I, I mean, like, I was happy the places I've been. I was happy at St. Thomas Aquinas. I was happy at FDU. Um, I wasn't looking to leave. That was not the situation at all. It's not about the you know. It's it, sometimes it's just a situation where you feel like you can get your ultimate goals done. Because the people really want to support you, and there's more resources and things like that. So it's um and there's levels. Listen, that's the division three, division two, division one. I've been a I've been in all three. There's a to say there's no difference. There's a difference. There's a my life's a lot better when I'm when I can actually just coach basketball and do those kind of things as opposed to order meals, book hotels, um, drive the vans. It's a lot better at this level, you know.
0: Yeah, it's so. From the outside looking in, yeah. Um, look, you mentioned Duke. Duke is a different level than Iona. Like it's not yep. a secret. Yep. We don't have to sugarcoat it. It's fine. Um, I have many friends in sports. And I watch their press conference and they'll say one thing like, This is the dream job, um, this is where I want to be forever. And then the next year they're looking to go somewhere else, or not necessarily looking to go somewhere else. Someone else is looking for them to go and join them, right? Yep. And so I'm like, if I were coaching a coach. I'm curious about how we phrase this in the press conference. And for better or for worse, the press conference matters. And I, I watched your press conference. I know you like to be a little all over the place and like to just speak your mind. But people care and they listen and they're they're paying attention to what you say. And your yep. job gets, you know, there's a lot of money involved, and it's a high-profile thing, and you're playing a huge role from a leadership standpoint. And I'm wondering if coaches could be coached up on this a little better so that when they go in that press conference, they say, I am so ecstatic to be here. I wouldn't have moved my whole family uh, from that university to this. We just had this magical run. This is great. Um, And like, I want our guys to be opportunistic and we all should be opportunistic and we should all be trying to put ourselves in opportunities to be successful. However, we desire to, You know, define success. And some coaches will stay at places because they're defining success one way. And some coaches will leave because they're defining success another way. And I think there needs to be more transparency from our leaders to say, I'm going to be opportunistic and I don't know what next year is going to bring. I don't have some master plan to end up coaching at Duke um, or end up coaching with the Memphis Grizzlies or whatever it is. Um, but I'm going to take it year to year. And this year you're going to get my best. And I hope to build an amazing program here and We have to look at all opportunities. Just like if you have a player who has an amazing year and all of a sudden can be a lottery pick, they need to assess that and assess that opportunity. Maybe that's easy for me to say on the outside, but I think a lot of people in these positions are speaking from the heart when they're in press conferences and not realizing that those words carry weight and matter. And sometimes they need to say, hey, I am going to always be trying to figure out what's best for us and be transparent in that way. So that's my opinion. Um, I don't know. You're in it easier for me to say. It's not my uh, salary and, and job on the line, but I feel like it could be done better. I just, I feel like it could be done better. And this is not a college thing. This is actually like every, every nope. sp- Support, uh, every level. To your point, it could be high school. I know high school coaches who look their kids in the eye and say, I love you. I'll be there forever. And then, you know, a, mu- a week later, they're going to coaching in college. Like it, it happens at every level. Um, so I don't know if you have any thoughts on that as I get off. No, my I, super-
1: I do. Too. and I, I do. And I get what you said is what you said is right. What you said is, but like, how often do you speak publicly and say exactly what you, th- and I, I probably do more, I probably do more than most, right? I probably speak more, I say more what I think than most people do. You listen to Bill, Bill Belichick talk, I mean, I mean, it's like he didn't say anything, right? You think that's what Bill Belichick actually thinks? You know, and actually he's a, he's a Wesleyan grad, so I, I actually he's been great to me and talked to me. So like, how often do you, even to your wife sometimes, do you, do you actually say exactly what you think, right? So, I mean, I think, you're right about that, but I'm not going go to a press conference and I'm, I'm, I'm going to probably put it in a way that sound makes it sound better for my situation. You know, whether, I mean, like, cause the reality is this too, Brian, like people use your words against you, you know? So it's like, if I stick about and say, well, Hey, I like, I but like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm happy to be here, but there's, if there's an opportunity on the road, like, well, Hey, he won't be, you know, some coach going to say, Hey, he won't be there in two years. You know, he, he's listen to his press conference. He said, he's looking for other opportunities. So I think, what you say is 100 right, but it's just not how it's it's just not reality. I mean, you have to kind of you know s- spin It's not the right word, but you got to you, you know you're and I like I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'll, I'll be co- completely transparent. It's like man, I'm I'm here, I love it here. It's incredible. It's a great place. I was like the facilities are great. I took my son out to see um, Arizona and Arizona State, you know, Pac-12 teams. I saw the facilities. I'm like, whoa, oh, man, this is this is something, right? And I was like. It'd be kind of fun to coach in a place like this someday. You know, so it's like what you don't know sometimes is not what you don't know. I, I hadn't been to a place like that. And I'm like, if you if you said to me, hey, here's Duke's budget. Here's Duke's. Re- here's Duke's. They go recruit. They go on a private jet. Instead of, me, instead of me being stuck in Atlanta for two days last week because I couldn't get a flight out of there because the flights were all canceled, I can get on a private jet and get home in two hours to have dinner with my family. If I knew that, I'd probably say, you know what, that's a better situation for a lot of reasons. I, but I, I don't know all those things sometimes too. So sometimes you, you don't know what you don't know. And, but I, I think to get coaches to say exactly what they, to get anybody to say exactly what they feel, it's not going to happen.
0: Yeah. I, I think one of the things I'm overlooking is everything is politics. There's politics in every organization, in every industry and playing a, Uh, some politics is needed and necessary to be successful and you can still be authentic, right? So how do you stay authentic while understanding that there is a game that's being played in, in everything that we're doing? If we even go away from sports and into business, someone who's looking for a promotion and, and still exploring other opportunities in another You know, with with another company and knowing that if they have another opportunity with another company, they can maybe leverage that to get a promotion and get a salary increase. So these things happen outside of sports, but we don't always have the press conference, to your point. Uh, And there's a theme that's coming out. Uh, from our conversation today around imperfection. And you you mentioned it with the practices and you're mentioning like, Hey, it's always going to be imperfect. I own as an imperfect job. It's got amazing stuff that I love. And by the way, Duke comes with its own imperfections too. Like there, there's always, there's always going to be imperfections. And a part of our job is to seek opportunities and look at, all right, where are there imperfections that Really can hinder me, and where there are there imperfections that actually won't hinder me? And as you're looking at these opportunities, you're probably saying, "All right, I can do a lot of great work there." There's never going to be a perfect gig, um, but I I love enough about this that it's worth taking the leap.
1: And there's so like, politics is such a dirty word. Like you, you hear politics, like I, I I cringe when I hear that word. Like, I, is it political? I and mean, there's also other factors involved. There's family factors involved. Like, I mean, for example, I've had three jobs in three years. I haven't had to move. I'm in the same house I was when I was at St. Thomas Aquinas. So, Like like for me, like th- this is a, a dream job for me because listen, my, my my daughter's in the same school. My son's in the same school. My wife's got her same friends. So maybe a job that's better, but it's across the country, has a better budget, better. That's not for me the, the perfect fit. So there's a lot of other factors involved there where you just can't say, hey, this is going to be, um, you know, you can't always say because you don't know, you know, and, and for me, like not having to move, that's a, you know, having your family stay in the same house, like. You Know that that's, that that makes a big difference. Um, because like, you know, if your family's happy and they're and they're content, um, it makes my life a lot easier.
0: All right. I can't let you go without talking about last year in a yep. little bit of detail. And I am a five-six, I think and a half. I remember going to the doctor and they gave me a half when I was like 25. I was like, Really? I've been saying five six the whole time, and I probably could go five seven. And if, if I'm going with shoes, like I'm at the combine, I can go up to five eight. Like, this is I'm, I'm selling myself short for <laughs> that's <laughs> the exact right way to say it, but I love teams at press. I yeah. love teams that play nine or 10 guys. And I love guys that play players and they might be on the shorter side. I play Wednesday night basketball. Uh, when they try to post me up, I'm like, let's go to war. I'm going to bang with you and let's go have fun but I also like it because now their whole offense is catered to sending the ball to the, you know, six, two guy in our game who, you know, doesn't know how to play out of the post. Uh, most players don't know how to play out of the post in general, but definitely in my Wednesday night game, the six, two guy didn't know how to play in the post. So I get excited by it. Um, but I once worked with the team. I want to ask you some questions as far as identity and, and what you were able to create at FDU um, specifically, let's start with pressing. So, When I watched the highlights to prepare for this, the thing I noticed is after every made basket, you are constantly doing one thing with your team, which is telling them to get the heck back up and defend. And, um, you know, it speaks to the next play concept, which is also on your uh, sheet your practice plan. It was the last piece of the practice plan that we haven't gotten to in this conversation today. But it's clear that you value. Hey, next play doesn't just mean you miss a shot and then you get back on defense. It's also you make a shot. Now you're pressing and you're getting on defense. Um, so let's start there with just talking about pressing. And one of the things I'm I'm really curious about is let's start with this idea. Why is it hard for guys after they make a bucket? to immediately focus on, all right, now we're pressing. If they know that that's what you like to do after a made basket, it's most of us will make a basket and we'll like let down just for a hair. Because if I watch you, every made basket, you're just pointing to your guys to get up and, and get in them. What do you think that is psychologically about us that we make a basket and then we let up maybe with our focus for like a half a second and aren't able to shift our mind and shift our attention to the other side of the floor, which obviously you emphasize quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, just it's just the thing of when we watch little kids and they play. When they, my when my son was was um playing little kids basketball at and he's like six seven years old. Every time he scored, it was like looking over to me on the sideline, make sure I saw the basket. I mean, it just it's just ingrained. Or now they put their fingers up for three, oh, or they do a bow and I, arrow. And, and I hate that. I, <laughs> I, I want our our bench can do all the celebrations they want to. And you're playing. There's no time for the the the, the three, the the bowling, the the. the, the I, I hate the bow and arrow. I hate that stuff. Right. So what you made is a great point. Like, next play is not about hey i miss a shot or i may have a turnover um not letting it get you down not, not hanging your head it's also about after something good happens go make the go make the next play and so we constantly talk about that all the time like we're trying to go on these runs we talk about six nothing runs like to do that you have to be able to score and then create a turnover or, or stop score again create a turnover and, and get on those runs to do that you got to you got to you know success you know score 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 and make the next play. So it's it's about after the the good things, after the bad things, not letting yourself react either way. You know, and it's and I think next play also is, is during a season when you when you you know, win a big game. Like, what well, what do most teams do? You win a big game, they relax. Next the next day's practice is um, casual, and I think you know they're, 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 it's just human nature. Like you're always fighting human nature to relax, enjoy yourselves, feel good about things. But to be really good, you got to be able to go uh, win eight in a row, win nine in a row, win ten in a row. And that's a mentality of not letting yourself um, feel comfortable, you know? And so we try to talk about that. We talk about it all the time and, and I'm up all the time. Um, I'm not sure if that's just me, my habits of doing that. I think the guys we we talk about, it, we do it all the time. So I think me being up, that's probably, they're there anyway, but it just kind of my, 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 my belief.
0: And you're. Uh, taking over a program for a coach who's famous for this. I even heard you interviewed in 2021 talking about Rick Pitino and his style and how it influenced yep. your desire to yep. press. Patino obviously went to the NBA and tried to uh, do some of this stuff. And, you yep. know, we saw Kyle Parry go to the NBA. Um, you know, the idea that college guys can't coach in the NBA, I think is a complete misconception. There are plenty of college guys, Brad Stevens comes to mind, that have had all kinds of – Billy Donovan. Uh, I think it's it's BS. But let's go here for a second. If you're I just used the Memphis Grizzlies as a random team before. So I'm just gonna use them as a random team again. Like if you're coaching in the NBA, you mentioned being a basketball guy. Are you pressing? Uh like how do how do you think about coaching at that level? If you were the Grizzlies head coach tomorrow, are you bringing are you bring that that full court press with you? <laughs>
1: That's a hard question, right? Because I mean, I love pressing. I love the idea of being the aggressor, throwing the first punch. But like, you know, pro guys. They want minutes. They want they want to score. It's contracts. It's money. Um, when you're pressing, you're asking guys to make sacrifices. That you can't play as much. Your your, your minutes will never be as much as they are playing half court basketball. I mean, our our best players instead of playing 38 minutes, 36 are probably playing 34, 32. You know, so you got to make a sacrifice there. Um, it's hard. Pressing is hard because you're playing 94 feet instead of playing playing uh, 42 feet or or 30 feet or playing half court defense. You got to go out and you got to you got to pick up 94 feet. So, and we talk about that. I think, I think a lot of that's who's the personnel on your team. You know, so you say Memphis Grizzlies. I don't, I don't know those guys. Um, But there's some guys in the NBA, like you, if you think James Harden is going to press, you got no, I mean, there's no way, no way. He he wants to score. He wants to shoot. He wants to, to get big minutes. So no, I mean, are, are there some guys who would do that? People say at the at the high major level, you can't press. I think it depends on your, how you recruit, the guys you bring in their personalities, will they sacrifice for the, for the team, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we we believe in it because we've won that way. We've been successful that way. Um, I like the idea of, like, you know, we're going to go after you. We're going to be the aggressor. Um, that's how Patino was. That's how the guys who press are. But I think it would be very hard in the NBA unless you had the right kind of personnel to do it, you know. So I think I'd probably be – and it's like if I had a team – you know, the great thing about scholarship basketball is you get to choose your players, Right. When I was in Division Three, a lot of times admissions and financial, aid, I couldn't, so we couldn't press as much because the personnel did not dictate us playing that way to be successful. So, like I think you got to be a little bit um, cognizant of what the situation is, who your players are, what your personnel is, and not putting your guys in a position to not make them successful.
0: So, my background's in sports psychology, and one of my first uh, jobs was an internship with a high school basketball team in San Francisco. And that coach, Randy Besolo, uh pressed the whole game, uh, ran a dribble drive motion offense, um, and they shot threes and layups. And this was in 2010. Um, like he was ahead of his time from an analytics standpoint. Yep. But the, one of the biggest mistakes I ever made in my role was I noticed that they would come out in the first – they played quarters. They come out in the first quarter with – a ton of energy and they get hyped and they get excited and they come out right out of the tip. They're pressing, they're getting after it. Well, at halftime, they'd come in, they'd sit around in the locker room, go over some things that they want to do differently. And the energy would just sat, you know, get, get zapped. And then they'd go out. And the second half would start and they'd have to energize themselves to press again. And so I had a meeting with the team because the coach would have me at the team. And we talked about, it and they're like, yeah, we do all these like dancing and chanting and getting ourselves hype before the game starts in the second half, you know, we're in the locker room. Then we just come out, we roll the ball, let's go. And it's hard to get activated again. And so they were actually playing at Oracle arena in a like, you know a big rivalry game and the second half is about to start and the guys start doing chants with each other getting themselves hyped. and the head coaches work like, what the heck is going on and someone was like well they talked to brian about it he got pissed rightfully so because i didn't I didn't talk to him about what we were doing it was a good lesson for an intern uh oh. to "Hey, make sure the head coach is on board whatever oh. something's going to change but it leads me to this question is how do you get your guys to come out with energy in the second half like i know first i've got introductions we got you know music playing yep. we yep. we warm up what do you do at halftime and then how do you spark them in the second half to come out with that same fury that you want them to have a tip off
1: well first of all i'd say if you have if you have that answer man i i'm i'm, op- I'm open to all suggestions because we, we've we not that's been a problem for us too to be honest with you we've we, it's it's hard because yeah, before the game you're all juiced up ready to go um and then at halftime the, the halftime hurts you you know i think I heard I think I heard Jeff Van Gundy say on on NBA pro, uh uh telecast he wants to get get, get rid of halftime. I'm the same with I don't see the point of halftime. What's what's the point of us sitting around for for 15 minutes and um yeah, we're not a big we're not a big um adjustment team we want we want teams to adjust to us. So I mean, we of course we'll, we'll but like at the end of the day we could do that in, in 3 or 4 minutes as opposed to 15. And I, and I actually hated the NCAA tournament is a 20 minute halftime. It was like we go back to the locker room, we talk to the guys, like how much time's left? We got four. We got fourteen more minutes. For this. It's like so. No, it's it's hard. Like that, and especially for a pressing team because we have a lot of juice to start the game. So I think you got to try to recreate that in practice. We try to do that with with our practice stuff. Sometimes we'll take a break in the middle, or, or have a, you know, hey, this is kind of like a second half warm up kind of thing. Make it um where hey, and and address it. You know, talk about it. like you just say, like, hey, this has been a problem for us. We got to be better this way. I would sometimes start a different lineup. In the second half, like two years ago, we had a, a guard off the bench who was unbelievable. His energy was great, no matter what. I would start him second half every game because I knew he'd get us going. And that, and it was kind of like he liked that. Like he liked that role. Like hey, we know the kid's name was Devante Bullet. We call him. We call him Bullet. He was fast. It was. It was, was extremely fast quick, tough. And so hey, Bullet's going to get us going. Bullet's going to start the second half. So he played the second half, and he was. That was his job to get us. To get us but we had to we had to do that to kind of make an adjustment to make us better so um yeah it's always an issue no bad but i think it's an issue for all pressing half core I mean, of every team halftime it sucks i hate it i hate halftime fans like halftime uh, but but I, I don't as a coach i don't like it
0: so i love that you would insert someone specifically yeah. to bring energy to the team that's a great idea when and i work for the
1: change the dynamic you know change change is just something different you know
0: yeah i mean i used to uh, the Atlanta Hawks had a guy named Mario West uh, went to Georgia Tech i think he was a walk on um and like he couldn't shoot but he could come out and defend and i remember they played the Miami Heat and they just put him on Dwayne Wade and he was just giving Dwayne Wade hell and it just set the tone for their yep. team in the playoffs yep. um look ideas i think you basically hit on it it's like who says you have to go into the locker who says you have to follow the instructions of what everyone's always done when it comes to what a traditional halftime looks like and sounds like and feels like. Um, so they're probably not going to give it a halftime because there's a lot of money to be made uh, during, during that time. But I, I, I do think who says you have to go back. Like maybe you stay on the floor. Maybe you keep your guys on the bench. You keep them in that environment. Maybe you get back into, you know, layup lines a little earlier. You do what you do to start a game. Um, Maybe you get them together and make sure that they're focused on their energy and emphasizing it. Um, When I worked with a football team, like I used to say, it's funny to me that the teams like to put up their four fingers for, to signal the fourth quarter. When in my estimation, the game is won and lost far earlier than that. It's like, put the fingers up in the third quarter when the team that comes out in the second half and punches them in the mouth and, and, oh. t- and and create some, some separation, like they tend to then go on to win the fourth. And so I was like, yeah, put your three fingers up. Like, say, this is our focus. Like we're going to come out, maybe reward certain things that come out in the second half. But I would also just talk to your guys. Like, Hey, what do we need to do to make okay. sure we're energized to where we need to be to start the second half? So those are ideas, but I think it is so um, under talked about which is uh, like if you've been in locker rooms with teams you can feel they literally sit and they're there and they're in a, a room it's just a completely different energy and environment than you have before game the game starts and teams are so intentional and specific about at this mark before the game starts we're here at this mark we go in at this mark we do this they don't do any of that at halftime. Like at halftime, it's a free for all based on how the game's going. Um, so I just think there should be some more intention around it. Um, last thing for me, uh, look, your team last year was the, I think the shortest team in America. And as I said, I gave you my height. Like I'm sure people run into you all the time. They're like, man, your guys, like, I love your guys. Well, that's because most people are not above six foot two or six foot three that walk this planet. Um, I've often thought, especially at the mid major and lower major, it was always amazing to me that guards were not more valued on teams because there's only so many six foot eight people that are walking this planet and certainly seven foot people that are walking this planet and you happen to play against some pretty good bigs when you went against Purdue and FAU and it's hard to guard them with six two guys. but how do you think about size? How much do you value it um, for where you are now? Is it is it different for where you are at Iona than as for you, where you are at FDU? Do teams overvalue size, undervalue it? How do you think about size when you think about building a roster?
1: It's funny I become this this coach that coaches all small guys. Like I'm, I'm like the, I'm like this I'm like this small guy coach now because of my team at FDU. I mean I I would prefer to have a much bigger team. We just you know like we get the job late, you know. Um, we couldn't find the big guys that we wanted, but it, once, once again, like, I, I think speed quickness are so important. Like I, I, a fast team, I would take over probably a bigger team um, every day of the week. Now, if you can find fast guys who are also big, that'd be, that's the ideal situation. So no, I mean, I want, I'd like to be a little bit bigger if we could. And I think big guys are especially in basketball are helpful, but I mean, I think, ha- and I've always had point guards who are like, every point guard I've had as a head coach has been like five, nine and below. Like I've always had small point guards. So I love, Guys who are quick, they can make plays, they can they can um, speed things up. So, I, I just, we put a lot of value on speed, quickness, um, toughness, grit. And if that's, if that's has size, that's ideal. I mean, I've, I got a seven footer now who's a kid returning for us who's seven foot and he moves like a guard. Well, if I had five of those guys, we'll take five of those guys. I mean, you, the problem is, like you said, it's hard to, it's hard to find those guys, you know, especially when you get the job late. So, you got to be, you got to be creative. I think there's ways in basketball, um, schematically to if you're if you're small, you can double the post guy. You can that's that's why we press. Why why do we press? We're not we're not we can press because we're we're um, our attributes are better in a pressing full court game. You know, so you play to your strengths. Like that's part of, that's part of your thing. So, but I know I love to have um guys were have head size that could move it could run and they're quick and all that kind of stuff. So I you know I, I, I I'm not, I'm not Always about having small guys, but some that's how that's how it worked it out. I'm gonna say this. I'm not gonna to try to bust this myth myth, but like most I don't know what the rosters I think a lot of times on a roster, um, most teams are like, hey, this guy's six three, like you said, man, let's list him at six five, or this guy's six six, we'll it at six eight. We we go out for most jump balls. We were the same size as every other team we played against, except for Zach Eadie, of course. it was we were not that much smaller. So it's like What's the difference between a six-five guy and a six-four guy or six-three guy? There's not a lot of difference there, so I'm not sure we were as small as everybody made us out to be.
0: But and, um, and wingspans yeah. play a role yeah, in how that much that matters, like that. Yep. And all yep. that sort of yep. stuff. Um, I want speed and quickness is huge to me. And then on the defensive side, I mean, it's clear you emphasize defense. We've spent a lot of time talking about the press, which is sexy, but you yeah. spend a lot of time prioritizing uh, the half court defense. Yep. And if I, you know, all my preparation for this, it was over and over again. Hey, we got to be really sound in the half court. Yep. Uh, how many types of defenses do you play? Um, and how do you think about defense uh, holistically for your program and um, the different styles of defense that you want to play and and the different looks that you want to give to teams?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you can't win games. I don't care what sport you coach or what level you coach at, without without being good defensively. So that was last year's team at FDU might have been my worst defensive team I've coached as a as a head coach just overall. But like we got better though. Like so we were like that's what I always love stats. Like stats, stats, stats measure just the game in November is the same importance as a game in February, right? But like if you get better by the time we we were bad in November, we were bad in December on defense. By the time we get to February. We're actually pretty good defensively, but our stats still look bad because of what happened back in the you know three months ago. So we kept telling the guys like, "Listen, let's just keep keep getting better day by day. We'll be a great defensive team." If you watch us play in the NCAA tournament, we were great, we were a great defensive team. Now, if you watch our stats, they'd say we're still bottom of the of the division one. So it's huge. Defense is defense is the backbone of your program. You got to be great defensively. Um, I'm pretty simple. To be honest, we we, we play man to man defense most of the time. We we we're we're going to play you know in the half court. We're we're not we're not complicated. We don't we don't switch a lot. We play pretty, pretty sound, simple, fundamental half court defense. Um, we have mixed in things like we'll mix in a we mix in a little bit of a junk. We we'll call it junk defense. A little bit of one one three like, like play one guy man to man, play um, four guy zone. And then the one thing that I did last year is like and I got it from Seton, from Saint Peter's from Shaheen Holloway is we put in a zone and when we got ahead at the end of the game, we go zone to kind of slow things down and to kind of make teams take more time. And it kind of changed the rhythm a little bit. And I'm not a big zone guy at all, but it, but it helped us. My, my, my whole staff um, talked me into it. And that was a big, that was a big adjustment. We we, we made like the last like 15 games of the season and we got better because of that. So um, I'm open to things, but at the end of the day, we're pretty, we're pretty simple defensively sound, but that's our, that's our backbone. That's our foundation. That's, like you can be a great pressing team. If you're a great pressing team and a bad half-court defensive team, you won't win a lot of games. Now, the key is to be a great pressing team and a great half-court defensive team, then you have a chance to be really good. You know, I think if you watch teams that are great pressing teams, a lot of them are not good in the half-court. It's hard to be great, hard to be great that way.
0: It's interesting. You tweeted out an article from The Atlantic that talked about uh Syracuse and, and their two-three zone. And yeah. Jim Beheim's quoted and saying basically. Yeah. Like maybe going forward, if I were still coaching, we'd go to man. I went to Syracuse. I was there. I was there the same year as Carmelo Anthony. Um, I went to new Orleans with the team. They won it all. Um, There's a couple of things. One, there's no chance he was ever changing the two, three zone as his legacy. It was their thing. It was their identity, but that's neither here nor there. But the second thing that people don't always remember is a lot of their best teams they pressed and they would use a big, that would be back there. That'd be this, athletic 6'10 kid who could block shots. And if the press got broken, they would they would have someone back there as like a protector. And so, um, but the interesting thing to me, and this is from an outsider's perspective, I love football where there are two sides of the ball and they spend so much time thinking about how to create chaos defensively. And you mentioned Bill Belichick. Their whole thing is each week they have a different game plan and they don't know what's going to hit them um, when the Patriots come to play. And, you know, that's the greatest football coach of all time. And they constantly would arrange it. And so I've always wondered, like, why don't teams just mix it up? Right. Like, and I know you have to practice and I know you have to understand where you're supposed to be, but like, I love the idea of just creating chaos on deep on defensive end, and then just allowing your team to play offensively. And however, that chaos needs to come, uh, is what I basically think the game is about. <laughs> Cause you basically want to be hard to play against and easy to play with. And like that to me summarizes it. Um, I love- We could talk all day. Uh, You're you're a basketball guy through and through. Hopefully you figured out that I I tend to love basketball as well. We've had a lot of non-basketball people on here. So if you've gotten this far and you're not a basketball person, thanks for listening. I hope you found this uh, useful. If you are a basketball person, I'm sure you love this conversation. So, Coach, thanks for coming on. I know you're on Twitter. Is there anywhere else people should follow you? You're at Anderson Tobin on Twitter. Is there yep. anything else you want to plug or promote or uh, give a megaphone to as, as we close here?
1: No, first of all, it was great talking to you, Brian. I mean, I got, I got some good stuff. I'm going to you know, obviously when I listen to this again, like some good ideas and good thoughts, I can tell you, you've definitely uh, put a lot of time and effort into this. So it's a great, great to talk to a guy who really, you, your passion comes through. And I, I I love that. And so, and this is the kind of stuff like talking about like all the the behind, you know, the, 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 motivations, the, 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 the alignment, the, the, the things that, that stuff's so, I mean like, that that's so much more important than X and O's. You know X and O's are part are part of the p- package, but it's like that stuff is so important. So I love I love I love hearing your thoughts about that. So no, I mean I'm on Twitter a lot. I try I try to have a have a good social media presence. I'm on Instagram I think as well as well, but I'm mean, more more so more so through Twitter. But like we try to get make sure we're out there and you know a lot of it's th- for recruiting, but you know I, w- I want to make sure and I I I share everything. Like I'm not one of those. I'm not trying to hold anything back. Like we we let people know how we do things. Like I. I put my practice plan on Twitter and people are like, wow, I can't believe you did that. I'm like, well, I mean, I'm not, it's not about what you do. It's about how it's how you do it. Right. So it's like, I mean, you can't recreate our, what we're doing. So like everybody knows how we press, but it's like, we try to, I want to, share, I want to share what I share. You know, that, that's what we do. So, um, no, I appreciate you having me on. It was a great, great conversation. And, and I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. It, the, the hiding things, especially in sports, there's a level of paranoia that goes on. That's pretty high. I yep. just, Uh, created a 152 page workbook um, that I've been working on for years of tools and activities and exercises that I use with my clients and I give it away for free. And people were like, you're going to give it away for free. I'm like, yeah, like I do enough with my clients that pay me a lot of money to work with them. Like why not just spread these ideas and concepts and hopefully help some people. And I think the paranoia, to me, it's just not that exciting of a way to live. Um, uh, I'm on Twitter at Brian Levinson. You can listen to all of these conversations at strongskills.co podcast slash uh, podcast coach. Thanks for inspiring some little guys, even if it was un- unintentionally done. Uh, if you win with seven footers, I'll still cheer you on maybe a little <laughs> less. Um, but I appreciate all that you do and your energy and your passion and your curiosity and, and desire to learn. This has been a lot of fun and looking forward to staying connected with you as well. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Intentional Performers with Brian Levinson. Here is this week's episode gem.
1: Yeah, you know, on any team, you got you got 13 guys, right? Four or five guys will know more as time they'll figure things out quicker. They gotta teach the other guys then, right? That's part that they should teach, hey, hey, you should be going here. You should be doing this. And I kinda like to watch that and sit back and kind of see them how how they interact as a team. Who are, you know people are like, well, who, who are your leaders? You know, who are the captains? I, I, don't think, I don't think I've had a captain in five years, but I know who the leaders are. And like, I know who could kind of, and so like, I, I could w- sit back and watch sometimes on a drill. Hey, we got to get, we have a drill called one uh, one more shooting. You got to make 30 shots or, it's, or it's, a, it's a sprint. We show it to them, here's what it is. Now figure out a way to make 30, right? And they won't get it. And then eventually a couple guys will say, hey, you got to do this better. You got to do this better. And I just think it it it, it speeds the process up of, a, of being a team faster by having them figure things out. I, I, I'm totally, and I, I, but I've learned that I, I try to step back more now and just kind of like let them screw up, let them make mistakes, and then make it make changes.